TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Ask the Expert North Texas here on News Radio 1080 KRLD. I'm David Rankin. And I'm Kristen Diaz. So yesterday the CDC advised that uh, kids six months and older uh, should be able to receive now at least one dose of the updated FDA approved COVID-19 booster According to the CDC, the updated COVID-19 booster made by Pfizer and Moderna, they apparently target a subvariant of Omicron. It's called the XBB15. On today's Ask the Expert, we have Dr. Jeffrey Kahn, who joins us in the KRLD Afternoon News. He is the Chief of Infectious Diseases at Children's Health and Professor of Pediatrics at UT Southwestern. Thank you so much for the time today. Oh, my pleasure. You know, Dr. Kahn, we know that parents must have so many questions uh, not only for their own uh, vaccines that they're uh, eligible for, but especially when it comes to their kids, right? With this uh, l- latest advisory, what can you tell us about this booster? What are some of the pros and cons to it? So I, I, th- I think the first thing to, to mention is, that is really technically it's not a booster. It's a new a reformulation of the vaccine. So the, the first vaccines that we had were actually targeted against the first COVID strain and then one of the, one of the early Omicron strains. But the virus has mutated and evolved quite a bit. So we had to reformulate the vaccines so that they match the current strains. Um, and right now, this new vaccine that's available, this reformulated vaccine available, induces immunity that is very that is protective against the current strains of, of COVID that are currently circulating. And there, there, there are actually several of these strains, uh, one of which has been particularly worrisome is a, a, a strain called BA2.86, which has mutated quite a bit, um, but it seems that the immunity induced by this new vaccine uh, will protect against that strain as well. The issue, of course, with vaccines has become kind of the controversial thing, especially for parents in dealing with their children. You have to go over that hump in order to get parents to be convinced to give their kids the shot. How difficult uh, a load is that for physicians and health experts to carry? Well, it's certainly a challenge, but I think, you know, having a a frank conversation with the parents is really the way to do this. And and the way that I approach this is to say that, well, yes, it's true that children tend to get mild disease compared to adults, although we certainly have seen children who have had pretty severe disease. And certainly if you have a child with an underlying medical condition, they should get vaccinated. But there's another dimension to this, of course, and that is that your, your greatest risk of getting COVID, anybody's greatest risk of getting COVID, is having a family, a household contact who has COVID. And of course, now the children are, you know, a lot of these children are in daycare or at school, they may bring the virus home. And if you have somebody in your household who falls into a high risk category, um, the way to protect them is not only to get them immunized, but immunize everybody in the household, something we call cocooning. 
So, so that there's a, a secondary reason to get children uh, immunized. And of course, from a public health perspective, we really want to quash this virus. And um, with these new strains that are evolving and emerging, they're going to start escaping the immunity that's been induced either by natural infection or vaccine. And 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 now now we're going to start. You know, we may see a bump in the, in, in the number of cases, which we're seeing right now. All the more reason to vaccinate as many people as possible to really keep this virus down. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head, right? I mean, anyone with kids at home, they know they're the little germ magnets. And then once one kid gets sick, the whole house gets sick. And then you just go circulate. And sometimes it can go weeks before everyone starts to feel better. And then something else comes to the house. Right. Uh, <laughs> Anybody who has got children has experienced exactly what you just described. Absolutely. And so, you know, we want to keep the germs away. How effective is this booster? How long? Do, I know there's been a lot of question, even uh, with all of the vaccines just how long they actually last before they need to get, you know, revaxed. Right. So there, there are a couple of competing forces here. One, of course, with, with, the, with the COVID vaccine, what we've noticed is that the immunity tends to wane over time. And the other, the other force at play here is that this virus keeps mutating. Um, and so, you know, whether we're going to have to reformulate the vaccine at some point in the future because the virus has now mutated so far away from the, the immunity induced by the vaccine, we don't know that yet. The, um, the, certainly the, the current recommendations are that if you're in a high risk group, you may consider a, a second shot of the vaccine, you know, a, a few months after the, after the first shot. Certainly my advice would be speak to your physician. If you fall into a high-risk group, and when I say high-risk group, it's clearly you know, individuals with, with underlying uh, immunological problems or are on chemotherapy or, 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 or have underlying medical conditions. But what we've noticed, particularly this calendar year, and it was true throughout the, the pandemic, the older you are, the greater risk you are for getting severe COVID. So if you fall into, if you're in the older age group, and I'll let you define that, but the CDC has broken this down by age, but clearly um, being over 65, and particularly being over 75 is a really great, you, you really have a great risk of, of getting hospitalized due to COVID. The last point I'll make is that if you look at um, the hospitalization rate between people who have been vaccinated and people who have not been vaccinated, the hospitalization rate is much higher than people who have not been vaccinated. You brought this up briefly just a second. I kind of want to reiterate this point. At the very beginning, when these COVID vaccines started coming out, we would go for the first shot three weeks later, get the second shot. Is this new reformulated COVID vaccine intended to be just a one a one shot thing? Well, that's an excellent question and we'll see how things unfold. There are certainly, there are risk groups uh, that the CDC has identified suggesting a second shot may be necessary. Um, I think if you're otherwise healthy, a first shot may be fine right now, but we're gonna have to see how this all, all this evolves. And it, it could be that we'll need a second booster or actually a first booster of this particular vaccine. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll, 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 the epidemiology, the circulation of the virus, the, whether the whether new strains um, e e emerge that will that will tell us where to go. Dr. Khan, can we talk about the side effects of the COVID booster on kids? I know a lot of parents were worried about uh, the chance for myocarditis. Is that still something that is relevant with this new booster? So the, the myocarditis issue has, has really been identified um, um, to be most likely in adolescent or young adult man, men, more so than females and more so than other age groups. Um, and that's a, certainly a concern. However, if you, you know, um, COVID itself, the virus that causes COVID, SARS-CoV-2, can actually cause myocarditis. And if you look at the rates of myocarditis 
due to COVID versus the rate of myocarditis due the, to the vaccine, the rates of myocarditis in COVID-infected individuals is higher, much higher than those, than those rates in, in vaccinated individuals. In other words, if you're gonna look at it just this from a, from a risk perspective, your risk of getting myocarditis is much higher if you get COVID versus if you get the COVID vaccine. One of the controversies, of course, with the COVID vaccine over the last couple of years, and one of the benefits, I should say, of the COVID vaccine over the last couple of years, it's been government subsidized. Those government subsidies have ended. And for people that don't have health insurance, these shots can cost anywhere from $120 to $130. And a lot of low-income families can't possibly afford that. You know, this is going to be a public health issue, right? If if we're looking to immunize as many people as possible, these barriers can't be can't be present. Um, although I, I understand that there are, are going to be mechanisms for even uh, uh, uninsured, low-income uh, families to get the vaccine, but from from a public health perspective, and that was the beauty, as you mentioned, early in the vaccine, it, anybody can get it. It was free, it was plentiful, and available. And I think that's what we should do now. Will we risk the chance of these vaccines, if they don't get all used up, to expire? Something that we saw a bit of in the beginning of the pandemic? Yeah, that there, there's always that chance. And of course, there's hesitancy out there. Um, and, um, you know, what, what we've been through has been extraordinary. Um, over a million people have died in this country due to COVID. And um, it's still around. The virus is not going anywhere. Um, it keeps mutating. Now, I should say that we're not going to go back to where we were as far as the height of the pandemic. Um, you know, the, 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 the stage of the pandemic has changed considerably. We're not going back to that, I don't believe. Um, but it's still a dangerous virus. It's still circulating. It's still mutating. If you're at risk, get the vaccine. Is this going to end up being something similar to what we get in the fall with flu shots because we're recommended every year to get flu shots. And in some cases, and in virtually all cases, you can get them at the same time, the flu shot and a COVID shot. Is that kind of the, the mentality we're going to be having moving forward year after year? That's an excellent point. So every year we reformulate the flu vaccine to try to match the strains that are circulating. So that strategy has been well known for flu and we've used that strategy for decades. So it looks like we may be doing that with COVID. Now we don't know how much this virus can mutate away from the immunity from the vaccines that we have available. But time will tell. Uh, but it, it, it is likely, like we're going to go head into, heading into the fall now, that we'll have flu vaccine, COVID vaccine. Of course, now we have an RSV vaccine. But the question has come up, you know, can you get the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine at the same time? The answer to that question is yes. Um, and, you know, for, from a practicality standpoint, that may work for a lot of people. Um, now, fortunately, you're not seeing flu, a lot of flu right now, and flu is always unpredictable when it's going to peak. Um, but we do know that COVID is circulating now, and people are getting hospitalized now. And there are other parts of the country where there's a lot more COVID than there is here. And that just tells us that it's coming. And this is an opportunity to start, you know, to get your flu vaccine, excuse me, to get your COVID vaccine. Um, and they should be available in the next day or two. You know, that you mentioned how we're looking at other parts of the country. What about what are we learning from other parts of the world? Obviously, we're not the only ones dealing with COVID. Um, are they also rolling are other countries rolling out similar vaccines for kids? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the surveillance that you're that you're you're you're, you're commenting on um, really is uh, the focus is on what strains are circulating. And there's been this one strain called BA286. Uh, 
uh, I know there's a lot of alphabet soup here, um, that has been very worrisome because it is highly mutated, this, this strain. And it's been identified in a number of countries in a few cases here. And the big concern was that A, it would overtake all the other variants that are circulating, and B, that it would escape the immunity induced by this new vaccine. Fortunately, that does not seem to be the case. One, it doesn't seem to be overtaking the, the current strains. That's good news. And second, and really, this is really great news, is that the, um, the new vaccine seems to induce immunity to protect us against severe disease due to this, uh, this highly mutated strain. Health experts have been saying recently that these new mutated strains might be worrisome, but not nearly as deadly as the original strain has been. Is the virus less dangerous and will it continue to become less dangerous, if not at all, not dangerous? So uh, it, it doesn't seem that these new strains are any more virulent than it's than the predecessors. That's good news. You know, the, 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 the bad news is that, you know, its predecessors would cause pretty severe disease in some individuals. So we shouldn't take this virus lightly. This is, uh, although some people will, 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 will suffer mild symptoms, fortunately, most people will suffer relatively mild symptoms, not requiring hospitalization. Many people do require hospitalization. So this is, you know, we can't take this virus too lightly right now. And um, so, so, and now we have an effective tool. Uh, you know, you remember the early days of the pandemic, we had no vaccine. Um, and it was devastating. That's, that virus is still out there. Um, it's still circulating. People are still getting hospitalized. People are still dying from this virus. So, but, you know, by all means, if, if, you know, if you're eligible, and most people are eligible to get the vaccine, go ahead and get vaccinated. It's one thing that I think a lot of people forget is also how many people are hospitalized and who die of the flu. And, right. you know, that's something we've had for a long time. We've just kind of gotten used to it. This is something that we can actually do something about as it's still in its infancy stages compared to the flu. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely true. You know, I, I, I think sometimes people get skewed by some of the data. Mm -hmm. They say, well, you know, it, it's, this only, it's only a small percentage of people who die. But, you know, there's more to the story than just mortality. It's, you know, it's morbidity as well. In other words, yes, you may survive COVID infection, but if, you, if you're in the hospital in the ICU for a month, that has dramatic effects on your lifestyle Absolutely. and your life. And, and you think about after a month or, 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 or extended period of time in the hospital, you have to go rehabilitation. These are yep. big problems that could be prevented by a single shot. And it also, we tend to forget that long COVID is still an issue, that you can still feel symptoms months into the future. And there are people that have been, have been dealing with, with things like something like loss of taste for years at this point. Long COVID has been a, a real mystery. Uh, we're still haven't quite sure why certain individuals get long COVID, but it's clearly a phenomenon. And again, going back to the data, it shows that your risk of getting long COVID is significantly reduced if you get vaccinated. So an, an, another reason to get vaccinated, it, it, it protects you against severe disease and hospitalization. It protects you against long COVID. And in the pediatric population, we saw a new a, a new disease come up, and you know, MISC, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. This is a disease that we never saw before, and it was due to COVID. And we do know now very well that if you immunize your child, or if you have a child who gets immunized, their risk of getting this MISC disease significantly lower. So again, all the data points to get the vaccine. It's safe. It's effective. Now we have 
you know, almost three years of, of experience with the, vac- with, the, with the older vaccines. And I suspect the same is going to be true for the new vaccine. That is Dr. Jeffrey Kahn, who is the chief of infectious diseases at Children's Health and professor of pediatrics at UT Southwestern here on the KRLD Afternoon News. Ask the expert. Thank you so much for your time. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.